Yeah. All right, when you're ready. Three, two, one. Welcome to Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Nathaniel Costia here with Mary Rink. Mary Rink, um, we, I don't want to give away too much right now. Um, I've only known Mary for about two months, two and a half months, but I have sensed uh, the presence of God so powerfully in her life. And uh, as soon as I began to understand more and more about her walk with the Lord, I wanted to bring her at Kingdom Stories. And uh, I can't wait to hear her story. And uh, that's why it's good that I, I can't give too much away this time. But we just uh, are about to absorb everything that will be spoken to us. Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Are you new here in Australia or you lived in Australia for a while? or What's, uh, your, what's your story? Your recent story. My recent story yeah. is that about a year and a half ago, I came back to Australia. Yes. I've been a missionary in Asia for many years. Okay. And uh, we just felt that there was a move of God happening, beginning to happen in Australia and in the north of Perth. And so the Lord, the Holy Spirit asked me to come back and be a part of that. How did you find us, Menorah Church? How did you find uh, Through your sister, Mariana. <laughs> okay. My husband, Laurie, uh, goes to synagogue with her husband on a Saturday morning okay. and goes back to Michael and Mariana's home for lunch and dinner and spends time with Michael. And so Mariana introduced us to Menorah Church. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Well, I'm glad she did because we've already had a wonderful journey over the last few weeks. Um, Scotland, eh? Yeah, Scotland. That's where you <laughs> Initially, I thought it was North America. Well, I did live in Canada for many years. Okay, so that's yes. why the accent, because yes. initially that's what I thought. I thought it was Canada. Right. But obviously, it's a lot stronger than the Canadian accent. Right, right. Uh, so, born in Scotland? Born in Edinburgh, Scotland. Edinburgh. Yes. I actually had a guy here from Edinburgh. Uh, not from Aberdeen, actually. Ah, Aberdeen's nice. Not, not too far from Edinburgh. Bobby Aitken. Do you know yes. Bobby Aitken? No, I don't. He's a good friend of mine. He, I must introduce to him. Yes. Amazing, amazing kingdom warrior. And uh, your parents are Scottish? My parents are both Scottish of Jewish descent. Okay, Rink is a Jewish name. Uh, Rink is my husband's married name. Oh, is it? Uh, it's It wasn't originally Rink, but it got changed to Rink. Okay. Uh, through time, yes. But Rink is also Jewish, isn't it? I'm not too sure if it's so Jewish, but uh, I think uh, at the time after the Holocaust, they wanted to put an L in front of it and make it Link. Okay. And uh, Lawrence's family changed it to Rink. Okay, yes, wonderful. Yes, that's my married name. Wonderful. Yeah. So how long uh, were you in Scotland? I was in Scotland 19 years. Okay, the best years of your life. The best years of my life, and then I moved to Canada. So from cold to a colder place. Oh my gosh, freezing. <laughs> Minus 35 in the winter, very cold. Which yes. city? Uh, well, I started off in Burlington and Kitchener, Yeah. and uh, then I moved to the north, North Bay. When were you uh, in Kitchener? That. What years? Oh, year uh, about 19... Oh dear, I don't remember. It was such a long time, long time ago, ago, you know. It was really you know, I've been to Kitchener ago. many times. There's so many friends in Kitchener. Yeah, so do you? Yeah. Oh, I mean, you Cambridge know and London. And who knows? Yeah, we wouldn't have crossed because 
I, I the first time I went to Kitchener was in 1999, so a long, long time after. That's a long time, yeah. What was it like growing up in Scotland? Um, it was, and growing up in my family, yeah. was um, was a little bit stricter, I think, than other families. My father was a very strict man. Army? And uh, no, not army, but very strong in his beliefs and what he believed in and his religion. And uh, not allowing us to. Was he um, Christian or? Uh, he believed in Jesus, um, but um, not necessarily believing in the power of the Holy Spirit, or you know speaking Church in of tongues. Scotland kind and, of a event. Uh, no, no. He came from. He was raised up in a brethren okay. uh, locality, which yeah. which is um, a sector of Judaism. Yeah. And um, very strong in what he believed in. And so he would keep us as children out of particular classes in school. We had notes that we had to leave our, our classes because he was afraid of what we would pick up. And okay. it would, you know... Uh, sport also? Yeah, sport, no sport. We weren't allowed to do anything like that. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was very, very sheltered. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did that affect you? Um, I believe it did because... A bit of a uh, stigma or not? Um, a bit of a stigma and later in life a bit of rebellion yeah. also because you know I hadn't really experienced uh, anything. Did you understand why or not really? Well I understood that um, that where my parents chose to, to, to um, fellowship let's say um, the whole dynamic of the brethren was very strict. Yeah. And so there was and a was, community. It was a community, but it was a very, very strict community. Yeah. And uh, it only was within itself, kind of like yeah. the Amish people, you know, yeah. it's with, within themselves and they don't go out of the So boundaries. there you felt that you belonged, but uh, then. No, not no. at all. No. Just trying to fit in then? Um, well, growing up, you know, I always had a knowledge. I just felt it in my heart that I had a knowledge that there was a greater God than the God that they worshipped okay. or, or how they worshipped or how they approached God, let's put it yeah. that way, and the boundaries that they put on God. And I knew that in my heart that God was a God of no boundaries yeah. and that he was a God of miracles and yeah. that uh, he was a God that took um, the people of Israel out of Egypt. Yeah. and led them through into great miracles. So I always sought that God. So okay. I was never comfortable where I was. And uh, even when church was on, I would escape and go down to the coffee shop. <laughs> and then I'd come back just as the service was finishing. And of course, it was very typically set up Jewish style with a circle for How the men in the middle. How many people uh, were there? Probably about... Uh, 200 people maybe. Oh, strong community. So in that, in that town, community. it would have been quite popular. People knew of, popular. of this community. Yes, everybody knew of this community. How many brothers and sisters were you? In the family? Yeah, in the family. Uh, I have an older brother Yeah. and an older sister. Okay, so three of you. Three of us, yeah. Oh, that's not a lot. No, small yeah. family. Wasn't that a bit strange for that period? Or were they, were they not having a lot of kids? The um, I'm not too sure. We're not yeah. like the Romanians. <laughs> <laughs> as many as the Lord gives. Yeah, yeah, as many as the Lord gives. Hallelujah. Yeah. What? Um, uh, so, this was a uh, at home also very strict. Very strict. Yes. Okay. Very, very Respect, strict. honor, 
Yes, very um, much. So what you weren't talked to, you weren't spoken to, or you weren't allowed to speak unless your father talked to you. Okay. And uh, strict Bible readings at okay. the table. And uh, he was very respectful of my mother. Yeah. He knew that she worked hard and nobody was allowed to eat until she sat down and uh, they said their grace and then we all ate. So mother was very respected in our home, which Wonderful. is lovely. Yeah. Very admire those qualities of yeah. my father. So there are things yes. that you, you love about your dad. Yes, of course. Yeah. My father was actually my closest friend. You oh. know, there was never a moment when I could uh, just knock on his door and say, Daddy, I need to talk. Okay. And he put down everything yeah. and popped me on his knee and wrapped his arm around me and said, tell me, what, 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 what can I do for you? You know, That's he'd give me a hug and kiss me and then say, off you go now, I'm busy. You know, but yeah. he never said, no, you can't come in. Yeah. And he never said, no, I'm too busy. He yeah. was always there. He was a very good father. So when he left, it was a great, great loss in our lives. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What did you do in your teenage years? Did you? Um, I was very rebellious. Okay. Um, when did that begin? Uh, began when I 14, I decided uh, when I decided to leave the brethren, um, I decided myself that I didn't want uh, what they wanted me to have because I didn't believe in it. Mm-hmm. I, d- I didn't believe in the strictness and and the Bible says go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And so I think we have to have some integration with the so outside world. How old were you? I was 16. How did you work out that courage? Well, I, um, I was very strong as a child, and I still am very strong. And, Is that a trait um, you, uh, you inherited from Dad? Maybe? I think so. Dad was very strong too. Okay. Yes, yeah. And uh, how did you break the news? Did you tell the family first? or? Uh, no, I was, I was quite a bad girl. Okay. I, I, um, I, pa- I had packed my bags and decided that I was leaving. Oh, so you were leaving home as well? Not yeah, just I was church. leaving home. Yeah, I knew that I couldn't break free and yeah. left, I left home. It, it had to be a brokenness did anyone from help the family. you? No. I had a, a taxi arranged and waiting outside. Where were you going? And I oh, was just going to stay with a friend in an apartment. And uh, just to break free from the mold and the culture and the strictness. So you would have still been at school, year 10 or year 11? Uh, yes, I was at 16 as grade uh, 11 or 12, but I had left school at that time. Okay. Um, and, and you were um, working? My father wanted me to become a doctor, and the sight of blood to me is not very nice. And so, um, yes, I was working. I, I worked in sales and I worked very fast in sales. And within six months, I was an assistant manager. And within a year, I was a manager. Oh, wonderful. And uh, just worked, worked my way you up the ladder. You didn't need school for that. No, I didn't need school for that. So it was easy. Just get out and do it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, you broke the news to your parents that you're leaving? Yes, I did. And you were and, packed um, and about I was to leave. already packed and already to leave. And I tried to explain why I needed to leave. But of course, as parents, they were they're worried. Uh, they didn't understand. No, they let me go. Mm-hmm. Um, my father used to teach me when I was young. He'd say, Linda, because that's my first name. Yeah. If you want anything in life, you have to work for it. Yes. And uh, so at a very early age, yes. I would go out and I would deliver newspapers okay. at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. 
and I would work in, in a little shop after school, yeah. um, slicing meat and stocking shelves and delivering groceries on my bicycles to yes. the elderly. And the money that I earned was my money to, to do what I wanted. And so I've always learned that um, to get ahead, I have to look after myself. Yeah. And so at 16, I decided I can look after myself. I can do that. Did they cry, your mom? Um, um, yes, they were upset and didn't want to let me go. And that's, But you were determined. That's the, I was very determined because I yeah. knew that I would never break free if I didn't go. Yeah, so that and, was the pivot. And I saw my brother and sister waited out and they didn't get free. And so I knew that I made the right decision. So you went yes. and lived with your friend? I went to live with my friend. And would you visit your parents? Was it in the same town? No, but my, my father would come to visit me. Okay. Yes, he would come to visit me. And uh, How was your faith during this time? Obviously, you never went back to the Brethren Church. No, I never went back. I, I made a total cut from it because I knew I would never become free and really find out who God was. But I was always praying, Lord, please show me who you are. Mm. Um, at 10 years old, I will say that my parents took me on a journey down to England yes. for a weekend. And I had my first encounter with God. And I think that's probably what drove me out mm -hmm. of, of the locality at that time. Because um, in was the, I was staying in a hotel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm as young children do, they will go out and look for other friends, right? To yeah. play with. And I met a lovely young girl. Her name is Dorothy. She was black African. And she was a believer. And she was very strong in her faith at 10 years old. Mm. And she said to me, would you like to come to a meeting tonight that my father is hosting in the hotel? Well, I knew that my father would never let me go because of the strictness. So I said, sure, I'd love to go. <laughs> yeah. And so I went to the meeting. And the minute that I stepped in to that hotel room, yeah. the power of God hit me. Oh. They spoke in tongues, 500 mm -hmm. black Africans spoken wow. tongues in this conference room and the fire of God was so strong in that room that the walls shook and the floor shook yeah. and I said I found my God this wow. is the God that I want That's to 10. know at 10 years old so just you know working out the years of when can I leave when can I leave there was this drive to lead me forward yeah. and I kept saying as I prayed at night God this is the God I want to know yeah if if I know that this is you and this is who I want to find yeah so please visit me because I want to find you yeah it personally in my life yeah and uh, and so I did I found him wonderful I found him there and then I found him in Canada so what took you from uh Scotland to Canada. Well, my sister, uh, Joyce, and her husband, David. So Joyce is older than you? Joyce is two and a half years older. And so then David is two and a half years older again. Okay. So, uh, yes, married, but no children at the time. Yes. Uh, David got a promotion with his work. He's a chartered accountant. And he left and went to Canada. Canada. Okay. After one year of my sister being there, she was lonely and said, please come. I think this is your break. Please yeah. come. And I said, oh, yes, for sure. I'd love to come out. So I went out and I'd only intended to go for a few months, but I ended up staying 17 years. 
Wow. Yes, and great things happened in that 17 years. Yeah. Uh, I suppose uh, Canada was closer to the US, more more in the Pentecostal charismatic That's uh, right. uh, movement. And, uh, yes. Then obviously later on the Toronto Blessing in the nineties. That's right. So, I was at the Toronto Blessing when it first started. <laughs> there you go. Yes, I was, and I remember I was. Um, I used to work during the day. Mm. I'm a resource teacher, work okay. with special need children, and so I used to finish my job at two thirty in the afternoon. I would get in my vehicle, and I would drive two and a half hours to Toronto Blessing. Whoa. I would. So you were in Kitchener. Uh, no, Whoa. at that time I was in North Bay. And Whoa. I had to travel all the way from three North hours, Bay to three hours. Uh, down to Toronto. It was a long way. Yeah. And um, gas was cheap. And, and gas was cheap. And coffee at McDonald's kept me awake. A dollar. <laughs> a dollar coffee at McDonald's. And so I would go to the Toronto Blessing no, and get filled. Tim Hortons. That's I right. I love the, the mini donuts. Oh, there. yes. Yeah. Fattening, but good. <laughs> <laughs> when did you meet uh, Laurie? Um, I met Laurie here. In Australia. Oh, okay, okay, so this yes. is later. Much, much later. So you married yes. late? I married, actually, I married earlier. In Canada? To, in Canada, um, to a lovely uh, man, a Polish Jew, that uh, came to church at a service that I was at. In Toronto? And in, in, or in the town? Uh, in the town that I lived in, Kingston at this time. And, um, a lot of falls in that area. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. The Thousand Islands, right by the Thousand Islands, yeah. the night markets. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. Great Very place popular. to live. And so I was in church yes. and I had just given really my heart over to God. I had an encounter in my garden that I would like to share with you. Sure. Um, I was uh, looking out of my kitchen window mm -hmm. and I had been struggling for many years uh, with my faith and still not seeing uh, encounters of God and still looking for God, but yet still very much in the world. And so I was just crying out to God continually. And I was looking out of my kitchen window and the, the, the terrace garden at the back of my home, at the, t at the, the top of the garden stood these two very tall trees. Yeah. And in my garden appeared one day a silhouette of a rainbow mm -hmm. in the form of a cross. Mm -hmm. And a bright light came out of that rainbow. Yes. And the presence of God really shook me yeah. because he is the light of the world. Yes. And that light came right down through my kitchen window and pierced my eyes. Oh. And it just grabbed me. Yeah. It absolutely grabbed me. And I began to weep. Yes. And the bright light, of course, is the angel of the Lord is Jesus. Yes. And, and he revealed to me that day, Mary, you need to come out of the old covenant into the new covenant. And the only way that you can come into the new covenant is through the cross. Yeah. That's my covenant with you. Yeah. And so he made the whole thing come alive. And he said, you also have to come out of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. How Mary. were you hearing this? I was just hearing it in the spirit. I could see yeah. it. I could. It was all going on. Have I you, could see the you, two trees. Have you had encounters before of speaking in tongues or any um, other revelation of the Holy Spirit? Um, or this was one of the strongest encounters? That was the strongest and the first encounter, Okay. I would say. I yeah. had that encounter at the African church. Yes. And I had continued to search and search and search. Mm -hmm. And then I had this encounter in the garden. And just prior to that, 
for many months I had uh, trouble with alcohol mm-hmm. and and drugs and that day when Jesus met me in the garden yes um, I felt led to go over to my wine rack it was all full of wine all full of gin and all full of port all the things I love to drink yeah. and I went and I took every bottle out of my rack and I came and I smashed it Oh. on that kitchen sink where I looked out where the angel of the Lord had visited me and I smashed every bottle of alcohol Whoa. and I threw out all my drugs and all my cigarettes in the toilet. Yes. I've never had a drink since and I've never had a cigarette or a drug since. Wonderful. Jesus totally set me free. That was an encounter in a half. That was my encounter. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do next? <laughs> what did I do next? Well, I wanted to go to this church i thought okay i'll pluck up enough courage to go to this church and um i remember going all dressed up one day in my best attire and i got to the The, church and i watched the old conditioning of the the reverend church was still there still there i didn't have my hat on i was going to say (laughs) didn't have my head covering on but you know my father always taught us to dress very elegantly and look our best and and so that was good that that he instilled inside us so i went to church and i didn't have enough courage to go in so i missed that week and so I you went, went all the way to church but i went all the way to church but i didn't go into church mm. and i went all the way home and all week i yeah. cried i cried my eyes out because i knew that i should have walked into church yes. but i didn't walk into church anyway i promised the lord i said i promise next week i'll go in yeah so i got to church the next week and uh, yes, I walked through the doors. Yes. And there was a beautiful young man, not young actually, he was elderly, standing at the door, but he looked young. And he had piercing blue eyes and his eyes met my eyes. And he gave me a hug and he said to me, young lady, when are you going to stop running? Wow. And I said, maybe right now. That's beautiful. And he led me down the front of the altar and right to the front row. Mm-hmm. And these women all gathered around me and started speaking in tongues. And they just spoke in tongues through the whole service with me. Didn't really know what was going on. I'd heard the tongues when I was 10 years old, but I, had, I didn't have my own encounter of speaking in tongues. So yet. they were praying during worship? Yeah, or? they were praying through worship. They were praying through the service. They were just gathering all around me and saying, this girl's going to get delivered today. And so the pastor at that time was the pastor's father of the King of Kings assemblies in Jerusalem. Uh-huh. And he was doing like a locum, let's say, yes. in, in that church yes. uh, because the pastor was away. Yeah. And at the end of his sermon, he gave an altar call. And I was quite bound and determined, even although I'd had an encounter already, that I didn't want to go out in front of these people. So I was trying to be strong and hold back and stay in my seat. Well, that didn't work because the Holy Spirit just moved my feet. (laughs) (laughs) I think my body stayed on the chair, but my feet went out to the altar. And uh, all these women were still gathered around me, praying in tongues, praying in tongues. And then suddenly I just collapsed. I absolutely collapsed on the floor. And I wept for two and a half hours. And by that time, all the church had left, but there was only the pastors. And the pastor was here and the pastor's wife was here. 
and they just prayed with me and I got it all out and God flashed before me everything. all my sins yeah. everything I had done wrong all my grievances all my unforgiveness all my bitterness all my hurt all my frustration everything God just touched me and he took yeah. it all out and so I came to the evening service and I remember I was wearing black trousers and this very fuchsia pink magenta yeah. shirt. And I came and I sat in a specific area in the church. And this man had walked in and God had apparently spoken to him. The lady in the pink shirt, she will be your wife. Whoa. And so after the service, he boldly came up to me and boldly said, the, the Holy Spirit has told me that you're my wife. And I said, well, he hasn't talked to me, so get lost. That's basically what I said to him, you know. Anyway, he wouldn't take no for an answer. And I was invited to a Bible study that night after the church service. And, of course, he was there and he was sitting opposite me at the table and he just wouldn't he wouldn't keep his well, eyes off me he was really annoying me you know and uh, the next morning apparently he followed me home and I didn't know that and the next morning he arrived at my doorstep very early in the morning and he said to me I've told you already the Lord has told me that you're my wife and I said well until I hear from God you can That's just step happen. back outside the door yeah. <laughs> anyway he kept persisting and that beautiful man became my husband Whoa. Uh, a short time later. And uh, from there, we traveled uh, out of Canada and we went to Europe. Did you get baptized any time? Yes, I did. I was baptized and uh, I got baptized speaking in tongues also uh, in my home, actually. Everybody yes. was trying to get me to speak in tongues at church and it just didn't, didn't work. Happen. <laughs> and so... Uh, one morning I was just about to call my business partner and um, as she picked up the phone, she said, hi, how are you doing? And I went, Koraba, Sharaba, Konama, Kiara, Kasaka. She said, Mary, what's the matter with you? And I'm Koraba, Baba, And I just kept speaking in tongues. And she said, Mary, get over to my house right now. There's something wrong with you. Was she a Christian? Was she a believer? She was a Christian. And she lived right next door to me. So I went over and she opened the door. And again, it flowed. And it flowed for about two hours. I couldn't stop. The Holy Spirit was just gushing through me. Yeah. And I was totally transformed. I was totally transformed by the Spirit of God. Powerful. It was very powerful. And then you went with your husband where? I went with Paul uh, to Austria. Hmm. And this is where we met for the work. Romanian brothers and for sisters. Uh, for a mission field. In Austria? And to Austria, yes. That's a tough, tough place. Yes, that was a tough place. Who uh, spoke we had a, We had a lot, neither one of us. Yeah. But... Um, we, we met up with some friends there. He already had some friends there in Vienna. Okay. So we stayed in Vienna. And in Vienna, we met some beautiful people that are still very close and dear into our lives today. This is in the 80s, early 80s, mid 80s? Uh, it was around uh, 90, about early 2000, 90s. Oh, I think. already. Okay. Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would think so, yeah. 1999, 2000. And so then we... Uh, I was in Austria in 99 and 2000. Oh, good. And Probably. it was like that. Maybe I saw you and I never knew who you were at that time. <laughs> I was in Austria and I was in Romania and I was throughout Europe. Oh, wow. So, yes, yeah. yeah. We spent a lot of time in Romania. Took okay. many trips into Romania and saw absolute miracles yeah. in Romania. And absolute miracles 
in Vienna also. Wow. Yes. So you did this just for a short time, so you would work in Canada and do mission work in Europe? Uh, no, we, we totally left Canada. And you and, moved into and Europe? And we moved into Europe. And yes. were you, you said, where did you stay? In Austria? Oh, uh, we stayed with, uh, Paul had some family okay. in Austria, so we lived was there he in the Graben. German or he was he Polish? He was Polish, okay. he was a Polish Jew. And they, he had family in He had family in Austria. in Austria, so we lived in the Graben in okay. Vienna. Yes, very nice. nice place. And from, did you work there or you were just... No, we did We just, well, actually, we did uh, try to do some jobs. So um, how did you manage to pay for everything? Oh, we just, the Lord provided. Okay, you know, so we, we totally left faith. out okay. in, in the Lord in faith. We yeah. knew that God had called us out okay. and we knew that God had called us out to walk in faith. No children? No children, no. Uh -huh. All no. right. And uh, what happened next? So, um, in Vienna, we got to know these lovely Romanian brothers and sisters. Yes. And so we lived in a capella in Vienna. Mm -hmm. And we used to host about 70 Romanian brothers and sisters in our home every evening for Bible study. Whoa. So what language times. would you share? In English. And, and we would have translators. Into Romanian, yes. not into Translators German. into Romanian. Okay. Yes. And one particular night... Um, there was about there was 70 people in our home and they had left after the evening Bible study yes and we only had our translator with us Sanda mm -hmm. she lived with us and translated with us all the time yes and we had all gone to bed it was about 1130 midnight perhaps and it was a very cold winter night it was around minus 35 it's freezing cold so we had a roaring fire that was stoked all yes. night Paul and I went to bed and Sanda lived in the area where we did the Bible study. Yeah. Around um, a couple of hours after we had gone to bed, we heard this tremendous crash in the room. And Paul got up to check what that crash was. And we checked the stove, we checked everything. We couldn't see anything. So yes. we went back to bed. And in the morning, Paul would get up as usual to make the coffee as the Romanians would come in for morning prayer oh. at seven in the morning. Before what? And we would, yes, give them coffee and a light breakfast, and then yeah. they would go out to work. And Paul went to stoke up the, the stove. But the Holy Spirit said to him, I need you to check the back of the stove. Mm -hmm. And the pipe that comes from the chimney and adjoined the back of the stove to yes. go into the furnace, it had come disconnected. Okay. And that was what had crashed. Less in the night. In the night. So Paul went to lift it up and... It was burning. A, um, a plastic cylinder fell out of that pipe and it was full of gasoline. Oh. And so we called the police and the police came in and of course identified someone is definitely trying to kill all of you here. And he said, I don't know what God you follow, but it's an absolute miracle. Miracle that you survived that you've all, you all survived and, and that the cylinder of gasoline didn't even go off because even at that hour, the, the fireplace was very strong in heat yeah. and they had put Whoa. this plastic cylinder uh, down the pipe through the, chimney. through the chimney. And the policeman said to us, have you seen your front window this morning? And we said, no, we haven't. And when we opened our curtains in black spray paint, Right across the window was sprayed, kill the Yudin. 
killed the Juden. What's Juden? Juden in German is Jews. Kill the ah. Jews. So that anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism, full mm. on, which we had experienced many times walking through Austria. Many times I had stones at my head. Yeah. Walking through uh, Vienna. How would they know? Well, they knew my husband always wore a keeper. Oh, okay, of course. And he would go into the marketplace, and the the Jews in the marketplace would say to him, "You know, you're crazy. You're absolutely yeah. crazy. Why do you wear this this keeper? Yeah. You know, you we're we're Jews, and we're afraid to wear our keepers sure. here because of anti-Semitism." And he would just say, "I'm not afraid." I'm not afraid of my God. My God will protect me. I'm not afraid of what man does to me. But the blessing that came out of that story, Nathaniel, is that the Romanian brothers and sisters that would gather every night with us for Bible study. Yes. After that event, they came in again. The faith was just. Their faith was so strong. Strong, strengthened. And the men took off their caps yeah. that evening. Yeah. And underneath, every single one of them had a keeper on oh praise god and we knew that they were jews also uh, and we just rejoiced in yeah. god our savior we totally rejoiced yeah and they were never afraid after that they gave their testimonies how we've lived here and we've been so afraid we don't go down certain streets we don't walk here we don't walk here and they said, we've just seen the face and you and Mary and how you're, you walk in your boldness of who you are. You're not yeah. afraid of who you are. You're not afraid of your identity, yeah. of who you are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And you've, you've taught us many things about faith. Now we stand with you. Wow. And so that was... That's amazing. Amazing. That's amazing. amazing. So yes. how long were you in Austria for? Uh, we were in Austria in and out for a couple of years. And, uh, and in that time, we were going into Romania. We saw amazing, um, amazing miracles. I will share a miracle, if I may, about when sure. we were in Timisoara. Yep, my favorite and town. Is that your favorite yeah. town? Yeah. It's so I lovely. A the whole of there. Romania is lovely. It's yeah. lovely. I was so blessed in Romania. So many <laughs> wonderful, wonderful uh, times with the Romanian people. They're, they're my heart. Yeah. They're absolutely my heart. And I think finding Menorah Church has become my heart. Wonderful. And, uh, and Maria said to me the other day, the reason why you love Menorah Church, Mary, is because Romania is still so strong in your heart. Yeah. And I said, you know, you're absolutely right. It is. Yeah. And I've cried out to the Lord for many years. Lord, please take me back to Romania. And we've never gone. And yet now... God's Romania brought me came to, to Romania. <laughs> That's what your sister said the other night. Now Romania has come to you, Mary. Now you can relax. And I came here the one, the one evening and I cried through the whole service. Wonderful. And I went home and I said, Laurie, this is, I want to make Menorah my church. Wow. I, I feel so strongly about it. Yeah. I feel so strongly. And I haven't felt like that. Yeah. For a year and a half, I've had no church I could settle in. It just wasn't God's will mm. because God knew where I needed to be. Yeah. And he just waited until that door opened. So yeah. we're very blessed to be here in the town. That's wonderful. We were worshiping with you. <laughs> just amazing to be around the Romanian brothers and sisters. So in Timisoara, um, my husband and I had been ministering in many little villages for one yeah. month. We'd lived yeah. in a, a Volkswagen van with our translators and with our team. And we were traveling through the villages. Yeah. And um, just coming to the close of our one month, uh, there was a lady that lived in a village. And um, she was known as the widow 
of the village. Although she was not a, willow, a widow, her husband was in prison, and but they scorned her, they looked down upon her, and she had a dream. Yeah. And in that dream, the Lord said to her, I want you to give everything that you have to the Jewish couple that's ministering throughout the villages. Wow. And so she called the pastor that was leading us to the yes. different churches. And the pastor said, no, I can't take it. Yeah. I can't take anything She's from you. Poor. You have absolutely nothing. You're poor. And she looked at the pastor and said, don't you disobey God. Yes. God has told me. Yeah. I need to do and I need to obey yeah and so I believe that the pastor was feeling a bit guilty because perhaps we had traveled with him a month and no offering was taken so on the last evening he said we're going to take up an offering in this church for this couple yeah and they didn't have any basket to collect it yes. you know to collect the offering so I had a backpack and we just opened the backpack and they threw in the lay, you know, yes. just all that went in, you know, and there was a massive amount. There was oh, well over a million lay in there. It was a lot of money for Romania, for that time. you know, for that time. Yeah. And so after the meeting, uh, I immediately went to the pastor and I said, look, I can't receive this offering. Yes. It's not for me to receive because it belongs to the widow. Oh. And I said, let us go to the widow's house and let us bless her. Yeah. And we were going back to Vienna, yes. to the land full of beautiful lint yeah. chocolate and coffee and all the best dainties, don't we know? Right? <laughs> and so we had so much left over of beautiful coffee, of beautiful fruits, of beautiful chocolate, of beautiful everything yeah. from Vienna. And we said, this is her blessing too for her obedience sure. to God. So at 10 o'clock at night, I remember by. very clearly going down this very narrow path, which turned this way to her very humble little home. Yeah. And she had a very large field in front of her home. And she had just been out tilling the ground, ready to plant. Yes. And our whole team, we were so excited. We went skipping down that path yeah. and knocked on her door. And first of all, we gave her the lay, the bag of lay. And, and she actually went out into the field yeah. with no shoes on and she was stomping in the ground, praising God and throwing all the lay <laughs> up, up in the air and just praising and thanking God. Wow. You see, the act of obedience. It's so good you didn't film it because that moment is not to be shared. No. You have to live those moments. You have to live those moments, yeah. you know. You have to. That's right. And often filming can totally distract you and you yeah, lose I even thinking, the you know, moments. In, you in lose a few, the moments. Like in a few occasions in the last few years, the Lord said to me, don't film Nathaniel. Because yes. all the time in the mission field, we were filming. Yes. We always had a camera on. And he I'm, would say, no, Nathaniel, this is just for right. this time, for this moment. That's Leave right. Leave it in, in full absorption, yes. in full That's presence. Right. Yes. It's not to be shared. Yes. Because it makes absolutely no sense to somebody outside this moment. That's right. Because Kairos is for this particular it's, time. It's for that moment. And, and I understand that too. Paul and I lived in, in Bethany, yeah. outside of Jerusalem, for some time too. And God was doing great miracles among yeah. the Iraqi people yeah. and, and the Muslims there in the wadis. And families would come in and, and bring their children uh, for prayer or money yes. and and for surgeries and we'd say look we don't give out money because if you give to one you give you to the to whole village yeah. you know so we said but we do have prayer and we do have faith please let us pray for you yeah and uh, one little boy had a protruding hernia 
and we prayed for him. We laid hands, silver and gold of I none, but that of what I have, yeah. I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be healed. Be healed. Yeah. And the child didn't get healed immediately, Instantly. but... When he went back, when he went to the doctor to have the surgery done, he still wasn't healed. But we believed in faith. Yes. And when the doctor put him on the operating table, there was no hernia. He was totally healed. (laughs) (laughs) And so 13 of that Arabic family accepted Jesus that day because of that miracle. That's wonderful. And the reason I tell you that story is because many people wanted to film us, film what we were doing in the wadis. And Jesus said, remove the cameras, Yes. remove them, yeah. or I will remove my anointing yeah. from what I'm doing yeah. here. And so I no cameras were allowed, no yeah. cameras were allowed. Yeah. And one day I was sitting on a, a little uh, stone wall waiting for Paul and some media came down my my road towards where I lived in the yeah. wadi yeah. and I was praying in tongues I was sitting on the wall and all of a sudden I opened my eyes and there was a camera right in my face yeah. and I had to say to them you know you cannot film me don't yeah. you dare film me yeah. I declare your film is going to be ripped out of that <laughs> camera right now in Jesus name and destroyed yes. you will not show this to anybody yeah. And, uh, and so the Lord said, no, no filming, otherwise I'll remove my anointing. Yeah. And we want the anointing of God with of us, course. don't we? Because it's more important than we see God do the miracles, signs and wonders. Amen. So what happened to the Polish husband? Well, my husband got very sick. And um, he had cancer in his prostate. And, um, were you in Canada or in Europe? Uh, no, actually, at that time we were in Europe. We yes. were in uh, Graz at that time, Austria. Uh, in Austria, where we met other beautiful Romanian yeah, brothers and sisters who I would love you to be in contact with. Yeah. They're just great people. And uh, we were ministering within the Romanian churches yes. and living uh, within the church yeah. and ministering in the churches yeah, yeah. there. And, um, and then we came to Australia. My mm. husband had family here. Yeah. And uh, they, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. So how did he manage to come here? Uh, we flew here. Oh, just as, a, as visitors? As at visitors. Time. Yeah. At that time. And he was put into Fremantle Hospital. Okay. And um, he took so a he few had, chemotherapies. He was, he he was part ca- of the Commonwealth. Of, uh, he was a Canadian citizen. Yes, so he benefited yes. from Medicare. Yes, he did, yeah. yeah. And so um, we... We stayed in. I stayed in the hospital with him for a long time. I lived in the toilet while he was in the ward, and I cleaned out his catheter every day and looked after him for many, many months. Mm. And he began to get better. And he said, "I want to go back to Austria, darling, before uh, we continue on a journey because there's a mountain I need to climb." Wow! And I said, "Okay, sweetheart, let's get on a plane so that you can climb that mountain." And so we went back to Austria, and sure enough, he began to climb this very high mountain in Austria. He said, I want to do this, because I know that my time is short, I want to. And so we walked behind him, and we just encouraged him. He said, don't come near me, I just have to go up with God. And so we were just there to support in case he felt weak or he needed strength. We were just there behind him. What altitude was it? Was it quite high? Uh, It was quite high. I'm not quite sure of the altitude. I'm sorry, Nathaniel. That's fine. And and so he got about three quarters of the way up 
And he said to me, I can't do any more. Darling, come help me. I said, yeah. okay, let's go down. Slowly, we rest first, yeah. and then we make our way down the mountain. And so he climbed as far as he needed to go. Wonderful. And uh, then we came back to Australia, because mm -hmm. he started to get sick, and he wanted to be here in Australia. And um, the, he, the, the cancer had spread into his pancreas and his lungs, and all over by that time. Yeah. And um, the doctors gave him six months to live, but in fact, he had six weeks. Mm. And the most amazing thing happened uh, just before he died. I knew that he was leaving. And by this time, he wasn't eating. He was totally shut down. Yeah. And um, I felt to go take a shower and get washed up. And when I went in the shower, I heard the angels singing, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. They were taking yeah. him home. Yeah. And the Lord said, come out, Mary, and say goodbye to him. And mm -hmm. I came out and I took his hand and I said, goodbye and I'll see you soon. And the Lord took him. Just right like out of that. your hand. Right out of my hand. Mm -hmm. So we buried him here at Pinaru. He's at Pinaru with yeah. the kangaroos and the black boys. That's where he wanted to be so buried. about four kilometers from here. Yeah, not very far, right? Yeah. And so we had four wonderful years of marriage. And then we... How long? Four years. Only four years Only you were married? Only four years, Whoa. yes. And I went back How to Austria. How old was he when he passed away? He was 56. Mm. Very young. Very young. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, it was. But the Lord is my strength and my portion, my God and my deliverer in whom I trust. Mm. And he got me through the hardest, hardest thing of my life. What, um, yeah. what happened next? I mean, for you. I went back to Austria. You went back to Austria. I went back to my Romanian church. Could you? So, did you have Australian citizenship or Australian permanent residence here? No, no, no? I didn't. No, okay. not at that time. And was it a grieving time, a difficult time? Yes, it was a very grieving time. I hid myself for months. Yeah. I didn't come out. I was living with very beautiful Romanian pastors, and in I lived. At, yes, I lived in their home, mm -hmm. and. Um, I grieved for a long time. I wouldn't come out of the room. They kept knocking and saying, come on, Mary, come out and have a meal. And I said, no, I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat. And I didn't eat for months. And the mm. Lord sustained me on water and juices, and I just didn't want to eat. I just mm. had no desire to eat. But I knew that I needed to keep going. Sure. And so after maybe four or five months, I, I came out of my room one day. And they knew I was coming out of my room that day, and they had set a place setting at the table. Yeah. And my Romanian friends were at the table to welcome me out of my, my grief. And we yeah. had a wonderful meal together with my Romanian friends. It was beautiful. You were climbing your own mountain now. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Lord, it's funny you say that, because God had shown me before he got sick in Jerusalem. Yeah. We were out in the desert, Paul and I, one day, and I saw the Lord go ahead of me and walk up a very high mountain. He said, Mary, you need to climb this mountain alone. I need you to come with me and I'll be your strength. Mm -hmm. And so I knew when he said to me, Mary, you need to climb this mountain alone, oh. that something was going to separate Paul and I. I just knew it in the spirit. Mm -hmm. And we also know that um, when the Lord had spoken to Paul, we were lying in bed one morning and the Lord said to Paul, turn around and say goodbye to your wife. I'm taking you home. Mm. And at the same time, he said to me, turn around and say goodbye to your husband. I'm taking him home. Wow. He said, but you'll have one last year together. And so we made every, every moment, moment count, count yeah. in that last year because we were like soulmates. We made every moment count.
and really we had a wonderful four years. So you lived years. a lot of years in those four years. We did. We yeah. lived a lot of years in those four <laughs> years. Yeah, and we were really blessed. Yeah. We saw miracles after miracles in Romania. So how did you meet Laurie? Um, we came here for Paul's treatment and um, we stepped into Perth Christian Life Centre Church. Which is now PCLC, Pastor David Storer. Yeah, I know David. Yes, he's a good friend of us. He visited us in Thailand, our home in Thailand. And he was our pastor for many years. And so um, Paul and I went into the healing services on a Sunday night uh, to that church. And we met Laurie at church. Okay. So Laurie then would come to our home Mm. where Paul and I lived and we would worship together. Was he Jewish as well? Uh, Laurie is also Jewish. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what's um, his background? Is is he from Europe or where did he grow up? In Sydney. Sydney. So Australian Jew. Australian Jew. Okay. Yeah. But his family's from Vienna. Austrian. He's Austrian. Okay. Austrian Jewish. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's interesting that God would take me to Austria. So then you'd be in Austria. How did you connect with Laurie? Um, he came to us. So what happened was, Paul and I came, we went to the healing services, we met Laurie. Laurie came to Paul and my home in, in Australia, in Perth. Yeah. And, um, and then Laurie was very supportive of me when uh, Paul was dying and in the hospital. Yeah. And but Laurie would come in and uh, we would uh, pray in tongues for hours yeah. with Paul because he was at the stage where his body had shut down, he wasn't eating, yeah. and he would hiccup all the time. Yeah. And so Laurie and I would pray in tongues, and the hiccuping would stop. Wonderful. And as long as we were praying in tongues, Paul was resting. But the minute we stopped praying in tongues, yeah. the hiccuping would start all over. Oh. It's just because he had no food in his stomach and yeah. he couldn't eat, etc., etc. Et the withdrawal and the death had already started to take place. And so, after I had gone back to Austria, the Lord said to me, I want you to return to Perth. Okay. And so I came back to Perth and I met Laurie again. And he had never been married or divorced? Or? Yes, uh, Laurie had been married also. Mm-hmm. And like myself, uh, was a widow at that time. Oh. His wife had passed away. And uh, so he hadn't married for many years. After so that's that why also. he understood. He understood. understood you really well in the whole situation and Everything he could intercede and stand in a gap with you. Sure. Wow, what a journey he had. Yes. And then um, he proposed to you? Well, it's quite funny you actually. Proposed to him. <laughs> because I was sitting at my friend's house uh, writing songs one night, playing my guitar and writing uh, songs, and, and I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, Mary, in half an hour, someone will come to your door that will change your life forever. <laughs> and I said, ooh, ooh, I wonder what's happening tonight. And so sure enough, about 10 o'clock at night, the doorbell rang and Laurie was on the other side. And I knew Laurie uh, because he'd been with me yeah. through the end of Paul's journey. And, um, and I was a bit taken aback and I, and I did say, Laurie, you want, Lord, you want me to marry Laurie? And I, so, yeah, it was a bit scary for me <laughs> thinking about it at that time. And, I, and, and the Lord said, yes, this is who I've chosen for you. Wow. And you know, in Jewish in Jewish weddings, you don't choose your husband. You know, normally the father of the house chooses your bride, the yeah. bride, the husband for the bride, and so does the Lord. You know, he's yeah. our father, and he's he father. chose Laurie for me. So did he, What did he say? Did he say that night something? Yeah, uh, no. He came in, and the Lord tugged me on the shoulder and said, "In half an hour, Mary, in half an hour." And I said, "Oh, you want me to marry Laurie? Okay." Well, I didn't say anything to Laurie. 
But uh, we decided to cross the Nullarbor together. We drove 6,000 kilometers across the Nullarbor to go to Sydney. And my friends had come from Austria and we drove together. And uh, we spent some time in Sydney together. And it was about three months later that God spoke to Laurie and said, I've brought you your Eve. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? And so he said to me, has God been speaking to you about something in particular? And I said, yes, he has. And he said, well, what should we do? Should we get married? I said, okay, let's get married. Yeah. And so 31 days later, we were married. Because that's, that's the law in Australia. You couldn't yes. do a Las Vegas yeah, we wedding. Yeah, you couldn't do a Las Vegas <laughs> I know, we tried to do it earlier. But even God had it all orchestrated because yeah. we got married in an Arabic Christian church. Oh, and uh, no uh, christian uh, no no it was christian very pentecostal okay it was amazing and laurie and i had come in back sydney? from in sydney wow we had come back from hillsong one night and we passed this little church in granville and it was alive with the presence of god and we immediately put on the brake and said let's go in and see what's happening and uh the little children about evangeline's age yes had banners and yeah. they were prophesying over the elderly that had been slain in the spirit. Wow. And they were prophesying. We thought, this place is alive with yeah. the presence of God. Yeah. We want to get married here. Mm -hmm. Well, it turned out the pastor was Lebanese. Mm -hmm. And so we went to her and we said, you know, we're da 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 da. And we'd like to get married here. And she said, sure, we'd love to um, honor you. As yeah. Jews, we'd love to marry you. Wow. And so they provided the whole entire wedding, even our wedding bands With at the that Jewish time. custom or a Western No, wedding? no, they set up the chuppah. We did the Jewish oh, custom. the Jewish custom. They knew. They knew what to do. Well, they were and, next and, door neighbors, but... Yeah, you know, totally that's against. right, you know. And so Laurie helped them build the, the chuppah. Yeah. And uh, they had somebody blow the shofar, blow yeah. us down the aisle. And we wa I walk around my husband like we do in Jewish tradition, smash a glass and the celebration begins. And it was such a joyful celebration because we all love worship. Yeah. And we love to raise banners high and lift yeah. up the name of Jesus and oh, worship yeah. him. And after a quick service, uh, we went into about three hours of worship with banners and flags and tambourines. And we just marched around the church, <laughs> dancing and praising God and exalting His name. It was such a celebration. It really was a celebration of Jesus coming back and taking His bride. It was wow. really beautiful. It was a wonderful celebration. And the Arabic ladies put on all the food and decorated the whole hall and blessed us with a love offering going out the door because Laurie and I were now starting our new journey. Journey, yeah. and we were going yeah, we into Muslim communities okay. undercover Muslim communities and so two weeks after we were married we were in Pakistan and in Afghanistan Wow! and our journey started there so yeah. the Lord has given you another missionary man he has and I've, I've been married 18 years now Wonderful. and uh, we've had no physical children but blessed is the the womb of the barren woman yeah. and throughout the years Laurie and I have fostered 59 children Whoa. in all the nations so we've got all these beautiful spiritual family children. All over the world. Well, imagine if you had your own children, you wouldn't have been able to do that. We wouldn't have been able to do that, you yeah. see. And we've raised up many beautiful young, young, you know, from little tiny You know, Mary, children. a few years ago, the Lord spoke to me about orphanages. Mm -hmm. And he said, it was never my plan for Christians to open orphanages. Mm -hmm. I looked at the stats and I found out that 25% of... Uh, of the children are miscarried. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, really? So 25% mm. of the children are miscarried, and many couples around the world, more than 10%, don't have children. That's right, yeah. So if those children, if those parents would adopt, there would be no orphanages in the that's world. That's right, that's so true. That's so, so true. orphanages, although they work to some extent, I mean, this was just a personal conviction. I don't think it's part of God's plan. No, I don't Even think though so. we do that and we raise money for orphanages and we build orphanages in India and all these nations, Romania, I mean, come on. But then I thought, that's not the God way. The God way is family. Orphanage is not that's a family. That's right, it's a family. So for you to yes. come today and tell me that you've raised 59 children, foster children, that is just tremendous. Because I now I see that you understood that call without yes. being explained in the way I just did. But you just lived it out. There you go. So I never knew this about you, but this is humbling. So wonderful, yeah, so wonderful. We've got wonderful children. We've attended their weddings. Yeah. They've chosen us before their own mother and father to walk them down the aisle and to be honored yeah. by them. And we've seen their children come forth now. So we've yeah. got foster grandchildren <laughs> that call us Safta and Saba, which is Hebrew for grandma and grandpa. Beautiful. So I'm not only a mother of 59 yeah. children, but I'm also a grandmother. More. So of more. So yeah. the, uh, the inheritance of Abraham is Yes, there. that's right. We will have to wrap things up because we, we're uh, going into over time. But what an amazing story. Thank you so much. Look, mm, thank you just before we go me. and I introduce the book, uh, what's the legacy you'd like to pass on to the generations that follow? What's something that's on your heart that you, you'd like to be known by and also pass on the baton to, to the people that follow? Well, one thing that's always been very strong in my heart is to raise up people, okay. to be good leaders, yeah. to know the presence of God, yeah. to run after God, yeah. and just to bring them to the place to be the best that they can be in serving God. Yeah. That's been my mission while raising our children yeah. and uh, for running a house church and doing many things, yeah. is to build up people, build them up. Build them, build yeah. them, build them so that they can be good leaders wonderful. and so that they can take that baton and yeah. continue on. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. And Mary, um, just before we go, thank you so much for joining us and uh, traveling this journey with us. An amazing journey, hearing beautiful stories. And you've just heard Linda Mary Rink share her beautiful story. She has written a wonderful book called Go Wonder People. Go warn the people, and you will find this on Amazon and throughout um, all the bookstores, um, whatever you, you enjoy buying books. And I encourage you to, to read the story because um, she had some visitations into heaven, and they are very detailed in here. So, um, wonderful, wonderful opportunity to go deeper into understanding who God is and what's waiting for us on the other side. I won't give too much away because you'll, I want you to get her book and uh, obviously uh, engage with that. So um, build up the people, build up everyone. Uh, what a legacy she wants to pass on to the generations that follow. And I think that's an encouragement for us all to make sure that we build up the people around us. The Lord has given us both our biological children but also our spiritual children. So the call of God on you right in this season maybe is to be a spiritual mother and spiritual father and to foster some children into the kingdom of God. Amen. What an amazing, amazing journey you can have. And that will unlock a brand new way of life for you. Thank you for uh, joining us. 
Thank you for sharing this content wherever you're enjoying it. Thank you for dis uh, distributing it. Thank you for rating it. We love the five stars we're getting, especially on Apple Podcasts. Also on Google Podcasts, you can listen to this on uh, Spotify, on Amazon Music, on YouTube. Just uh, continue to journey with us and let others know that uh, these kingdom stories are really powerful. Thank you, Mary, and thank you guys for watching this. We'll see you next time. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Wonderful, wow. wonderful. Okay. Just before the hour.